You do a lot of talking, bro. You do a lot of talking. All that screaming. Well, you better hope you can play as long as me. Hey, when you get on your knees and say your prayers tonight, pray. What happened between you and Tlaib on the field early in the game? I don't know. You're going to ask him because he didn't finish the game. Ice up, son. Ice up. <laughs> Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. I know you're going to dig this. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. The doctor is now in. Yeah, Thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Glad to have you with us. Welcome, boys and girls. People of all shapes and sizes. Glad to have you with us here on this Thursday edition. Today... Another jam-packed show, guest-driven show. Trevor Maddich is going to join us in just a matter of moments. And we talk NFL, we talk Browns Raiders, we talk Urban Meyer being dismissed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tracy Murray is going to join us a little bit later this hour. Tracy is going to talk to us about Steph Curry. You know, Tracy, the... Former sharpshooter himself, former NBA champion, played 12 years in the league. Love having him part of the show, part of our team here. So we will talk to him and his UCLA Bruins, his alma mater, and who he also does a fantastic job on the radio side as the color analyst. They're 9-1, and one, but they had a game postponed last night due to COVID. And their head coach, Mick, Cron- Mick Cronin, got, has COVID. So some other UCLA Bruins, so... We got to talk to Tracy about that, and remember, UCLA is part of the CBS Sports Classic that will be here in town Saturday, as the uh, Bruins scheduled to play North Carolina, first game of the doubleheader. Then you got Ohio State in Kentucky, and we've uh, seen these four teams play in Vegas uh, several times over the last four or five years. Uh, the CBS Sports Classic at T-Mobile Arena. Looking forward to that. On uh, Saturday, Brian Salmon will join us next hour as well, a news director, or rather, the sports director from uh, News 3. And again, talking about uh, Super Bowl 58, which uh, we talked about yesterday, coming to Allegiant Stadium, coming to Las Vegas. And again, we will talk to B Sal also regarding Raiders, Browns, and of course, uh, so many different things happening in the NFL, including tonight's game. We'll dive into that. The Chiefs and the Chargers and COVID just running rampant through all the sports right now, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, games getting postponed, many teams being affected by this, and uh, obviously the Cleveland Browns affected by this, and uh, the Chiefs and Chargers. Also tonight, uh, the games go on for now. Hopefully uh, it will continue and we will be able to continue to have football here and then in the next couple of weeks as well as we work our way towards uh, the playoffs and, of course, college football bowl games start this weekend. So busy, busy time in our favorite time, no doubt about it. All right, so the big news today, Urban Meyer fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars, which happened very, very early this morning. Uh, the Jags, as we know, just a mess, 2-11. Uh, Urban Meyer let go, didn't even get a chance to finish out his very first season and as an NFL head coach. Um, embarrassing, to say the, the least, in, in, in all different facets here, because this season, and we, as we know, the Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars has just been dysfunctionality at its finest, or at its worst, I guess we should say, right? Uh, less than a year ago, uh, owner Shad Khan said that uh, he thought 
he got this one right with the hire of Urban Myers. He let Doug Marone go in favor of Meyer. Shad Khan's comment today, after deliberation over many weeks and a thorough analysis of the entirety of Urban's tenure with our team, I am bitterly disappointed to arrive at the conclusion that an immediate change is imperative for everyone. I informed Urban of the change this evening. And uh, obviously this was uh, late last night. As I stated in October, regaining our trust and respect was essential. Regrettably, it did not happen. Offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel will serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. And GM Trent Balky will remain in his position with the Jaguars. But uh, a a lot to this story. So many problems with this franchise. So many problems since Urban Meyer was named head coach going back to January 14th of this year. Uh, scrutiny really from the beginning. And just to kind of give you a timeline, this started with his very first hire, who was the strength and conditioning coach, Chris Doyle from Iowa, where Doyle made racist comments and bullying and belittling players during his time at Iowa. Uh, I, I, you have to believe that, that Urban Meyer had known about this because it was a story we were talking about much more than a year ago. Uh, After he was hired by the Jaguars and a lot of backlash came from fans and media there, he resigned a day later. So the Urban Meyer era uh, era was not off to a very good start at all uh, in Jacksonville. You go back to May, uh, he signed Tim Tebow to play tight end, a position he had never, ever played before. Uh, Tebow didn't make it, uh, you know, past the first cuts once, uh, you know, training camp started. The Jaguars were also fined $200,000. Urban Meyer was fined 100000 for excessive contact during the OTAs uh, in the summertime. Uh, the team had to forfeit two OTAs for next season, which will bring them down to eight, which are very, very coveted in, in the offseason. You go to August, the NFLPA said it would initiate an investigation after Meyer said he and Balky considered a player's vaccination status for final roster cuts because, as we know, COVID-19 protocols are much different for vaccinated players compared to unvaccinated players. So uh, Meyer wasn't uh, forthcoming about that. Uh, We know during training camp there was quarterback controversy uh, with Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, and Gardner Minshew, who actually played pretty well at the end of last season, after those two alternated uh, days with first-team offense during training camp, um, Urban Meyer finally named Trevor Lawrence as the starter, and then uh, three days later, traded Gardner Minshew to the Philadelphia Eagles. During training camp, a story just came out this past week where kicker Josh Lambeau accused Meyer of kicking him in the leg uh, while they were stretching during warm-ups. Uh, there was also video of Meyer with a woman at a bar that was not his wife. Uh, that was when he went back to Columbus, Ohio a few months back. Uh, tensions between staff and players uh, were constant. And then probably the, the biggest story that came out in the last couple of weeks, wide receiver Marvin Jones and Meyer had heated words. Uh, Jones actually left the team for a while after Meyer publicly criticized the wide receivers. Uh, reports that said that Meyer called his assistant coaches losers. He questioned their resumes during a staff meeting. And uh, finally, it all comes to a head. This team uh, has been abysmal all season long on the field and, and even off the field. 
And you can see that you know when a team basically has mailed it in. We've seen that with the Houston Texans. We've seen it with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, by the way, guess who plays each other this week? Those two teams. Uh, Urban Meyer gone, two and eleven. Uh, a lot of of hype with him coming there. Uh, it did not work out for a myriad of reasons. Want to bring in our very good friend Trevor Maddich to get his uh, uh, take on this and several other things as well. Trev, thanks for joining us today, my friend. PC is that all? Yeah, that's about all I got. Uh, I'm passing the baton to you. How's that? Go. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it, it sounds like if you wrote that into a movie, you'd never believe it. Right. I mean, just listening to it all in a row, and and you and I both know that that's only part of the list. And that is just extraordinary. And I think the the things that he did early in that list were enough of a problem to keep professionals from really fully trusting a college coach that comes in. Because one thing you, you worry about as a professional football player is that the college guy will try to treat it like college. He won't treat you like a grown man. He'll treat you like an unguided missile, 19 years old, coming out of high school where the coach puts his thumb on you and controls what you do, basically. And that is a, a, a risk that college coaches take when they get to the NFL. And Urban Meyer fulfilled that fear of those players. He came in and it's my way or the highway in a way that was very much like college. Same way with the way he treated his players. I mean, it's very different. In, the, in college, you call your coach coach. In the NFL, you call your coach by his first name a lot of times. It's very much a professional relationship. And, and losing some of the credibility that he did with the early things, like hiring Doyle as a strength coach, then he resigns the next day because of the, the uproar when it came out of the, the things that he was accused of from a racial standpoint at Iowa. And then hiring Tim Tebow, uh, signing him to be in training camp to play tight end, a position he never played before on a team that needs as many guys that have a chance to make the team as they can get and be as good as they can get. And all those different things, that start, that started his tenure there with players raising their eyebrows ended up being big storms as things piled one on top of the other. And it came down to, at the end of it all, the credibility of accountability. One thing about Urban Meyer in college and then there at Jacksonville was very big on accountability. You own your mistakes, you learn from your mistakes, and if you keep repeating your mistakes, you're out of here. Right? Well, he kept on making these mistakes, some small, some much, much bigger, and he tried to take accountability for it, but that end accountability, which is if you keep making the mistakes, you're gone, that finally caught up to him because it's his own standard. You know, Trevor, I know that you know you you covered his teams in college, and I'm, I'm sure that you have talked with Urban Meyer before. What kind of person is Urban Meyer because we've heard the stories and we know, you know, everything that he went through, you know, with uh, the situations there. He's been basically called a narcissist. I mean, he has that kind of attitude. It's always been about him. And in this situation in Jacksonville really portrays that. I mean, it seems like he really doesn't care about anything else, about any of these you know, other coaching jobs. And we go back to when he was at Florida. Then he decided, okay, I'm going to retire. And he gave it up very suddenly after all the success there. There were health issues. There were family issues. Uh, and there were some other behind-the-scenes issues. Then he goes to Ohio State. And then he retires again for the second time at Ohio State. And then takes some time off. Goes, in the, uh, goes into, does some broadcasting on the college side. Then he 
takes a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, leads him to the NFL, and it seems like he has always looked to be that guy who marches to the beat of his own drum. He's going to do everything his way, and you said it, his way or the highway, and he's going to do it on his own terms. Is that a fair assumption of him? What is Urban Meyer like as a person? I like Urban Meyer, TC. I like him as a person, and I like him as a college coach. And it's it, on some level, it hurts me that he has failed so so spectacularly in his first attempt, and maybe only attempt in the NFL. And it hurts me as a player to see players with Jacksonville that really were hoping that this would be the start of something good there, that now have to start all over again, all over again. And the thing about it is that you know he, he my way of the highway is something that all coaches have to a degree. The question is how do they deal with it? How do they express it? I don't know many coaches that you could say aren't narcissistic to a degree if you define narcissism as, hey, we're going to succeed and we're going to do it my way. That's what a lot of coaches do. But you need to fight the fight that you're in. And the fight you're in in college is with younger players. The fight you're in in the NFL is with grown men who make more than you who have kids in school. And the way you you treat them and motivate them is is completely different uh, from the way you treat and motivate college kids a lot of the times you talked about florida you know at florida he stepped into a buzzsaw he was at utah and brought his read option offense to the sec and everybody said that that read option offense um, where the quarterback can either run the ball or hand off based on what the defense is doing but that means the quarterback runs the ball a lot that means the quarterback gets hit a lot that that would never work in the SEC because the linebackers are just too fast and they would just smash your quarterback. Well, all he does is win two national championships with two different quarterbacks, Chris Leak and then Tim Tebow as starters. So he really ushered that system into credibility. But the knock on him there was that he brought in a bunch of guys that were uh, a very questionable character. One of them, Aaron Hernandez, right. who was convicted of murder, for goodness sake. And, you know, there were, there were a lot of guys there that were considered quite questionable. So he leaves Florida. And a lot of people believe that he part of the reason he left was that he lost control of the locker room to those guys to the degree that he didn't think he could get it back. And so that stressed him out, too. So there's Ohio State. The players that he has at Ohio State are character guys. I can't think of a guy, and he may have had some, but I can't think of guys that got in the kinds of trouble that guys at Florida when he was coaching there, got into. It was good. But then he got in trouble staying with his assistant coach for too long with his allegations of abusing his wife physically and all those different things, the assistant coach now. And the thing about that is that there's a lot more to that than was really known nationally. That was an incredibly dysfunctional family as a group. And I think Urban Meyer and his wife were trying to stay with them to try to help them and mentor them and ended up getting stained by what, his assistant coach did because there is no excuse for any of that. And he stayed with him too long and he'll tell you that he stayed with him too long, but that is another dark stain on his reputation nationally. Now this one from Jacksonville, right? And so I thought he grew as a coach and the kind of program he wanted to run from Florida to Ohio state, that kind of got its its head chopped right off by the guillotine of the circumstances around that coach. And he did make mistakes in the way he treated that coach and the way he stayed with him as long as he did. So I thought he'd be resurrected a bit at Jacksonville, but nope, nope. 
Now what does he do? That's the big question. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there is anything for him. I mean, again, you know, when you we just detailed everything that happened just in the last year, less than a year in Jacksonville, and like you bring up those valid points, and it just conjures up a lot of memories from his time at Florida and also Ohio State. There were a lot of red flags is there. Uh, as well. Trevor Manich uh, joined us uh, from ESPN. Obviously, fantastic job uh, covering uh, college football uh, for ESPN. Knows Urban Meyer very well and just in, in, in detailed uh, the problems there. Trevor, you bring up the point, and we talk about this a lot, uh, another case where a college coach doesn't make it in the NFL. It just doesn't work. Uh, the respect factor you know, plays into it. Uh, we saw it with Nick Saban. Um, Going back in time, Steve Spurrier, Lou Holtz, Dennis Erickson, Butch Davis comes to mind, Bobby Petrino for his limited time in Atlanta, Mike Riley. How much of this is is college coaches having to deal, like you said, with grown men and those men looking down at a coach that's coming into their environment? Or is it more than that? No, it's more how they feel they're treated. When Steve Spurrier came into the NFL, he was, went the opposite way with Washington than Urban Meyer did. Urban Meyer came in saying, look, if, if this fails, it's failing my way. Spurrier came in and did his level best to relate to the players. He well, because he's a former NFL quarterback, well. too, for so many years as well, too. So probably maybe not the same comparison should be for just college coaches who didn't play in the NFL as a player, correct? Yeah, and, and that's fair, too. Steve Spurrier, also in fairness to him, came into a, an ownership situation where nobody had won and nobody would win until the owner kind of got better. And he has gotten better at what he's done. But really, Spurrier had no chance there. Uh, Nick Saban had a different issue at Miami where he thought he'd have more control than he did. But then you have to look at um, uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was the great coach at Miami with all those unbelievable teams at the Hurricanes. And then he goes on to be a multiple Super Bowl yeah. winner at Dallas. There's so, a couple of divorce. the highway yeah. in a major way. Right. Right? So it depends on the style. And it also depends if you win. Because when you look at, for example, Jacksonville, they've lost double-digit games, 10 or more games, 10 of the last 11 years. And I think they're, they're, they've lost 11 already this year. So here they go again, right? And if you, if you win as a coach, guys will put up with a lot of stuff. Bill Parcells had a reputation of wearing guys out. I mean, wearing them out. And when he left teams, they were kind of glad he was gone, even when they won with it. Patriots, for example, he got them to the first Super Bowl since 1985. And then when he left, he and they lost that Super Bowl. But when he left, they were glad he was gone because he wears you out. But you win. And so you put up with coaches where you win because that's how you get paid as a professional player. If you've got all these problems and you're not winning, then you'll lose that team in a, in a big hurry. And that was part of the problem. That's why Jimmy Johnson. You know, I think he was there, what, 1-15 uh, his first year there with Troy Aikman. And then, all of a sudden, bam, they, they take off. Well, he purged a lot of guys, but in that second year, they started to see the progress. And that progress must be shown if you're going to roll in there as a college coach and, and, you know, and lay waste to people's individuality. You tell them, it's my way or the highway. Okay, coach, your way better win. Mm-hmm. Trevor Match uh, joins us. Trevor... Anytime you're a number one overall pick, you're going to have a lot of scrutiny. A lot's going to be on your shoulders in face of the franchise for the future, and that's Trevor Lawrence. This guy's had one touchdown pass or less in 12 straight starts. 
you know, he had multiple touchdowns against uh, the Houston Texans, and, uh, and that's how bad they've been since then. Uh, how much of this is on him, and can this guy be an elite quarterback in the NFL? You know, that's a great question, TC, because I don't know yet. I just don't know if he can be a great quarterback in the NFL. I know that with Jacksonville in his rookie year, he has not had a chance. His receivers have not been able to separate. His, his protection has been, you know, characteristically awful. That's been a common theme at Jacksonville for a long time. He just doesn't have the tools around him to know how good he can be. We know he's a great leader because he's handling this situation that's just awful, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he is modeling himself from Troy Aikman's rookie year. And by the way, Peyton Manning's rookie year, too, wasn't all that great shakes. And, you know, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks do that. So he's got that perspective. But here's why I don't know. At Clemson, he got a lot of credit for a lot of big throws down the field, a lot of big plays. But on a lot of those plays, they were questionable throws. And he had guys like Justin Ross and T. Higgins, tall receivers that excelled at jumping up for the 50-50 ball that would make a bad throw a big completion or a questionable throw of big completion. You know, I saw a bunch of times where, you know, there'd be a receiver, say, running up the left seam vertical. He's got a defender inside of him. You've got to throw the ball out in front to the outside to lead the defender away, excuse me, the receiver away from the defender. I've seen a bunch of times in college at Clemson where Lawrence threw the ball on the defensive side of that matchup. And it would be an interception if the receiver didn't go in there and either break it up or, more often than not, catch it anyway. And then everybody says, oh, Trevor Lawrence, look at that, 50-yard completion. And I'm looking at it going, that should have been a pick. It was the receiver that saved him. So I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm saying that that happened a lot in college, a lot more than I thought it would. And so I need to see him with good protection and good receivers before I know how he really will be in the NFL. Where do you think the Jags go from here? I mean, obviously, Shad Khan is, is embarrassed. And when you use the terms that he used, where when you say that you are bitterly disappointed uh, and this thing, you know, regrettably, uh, you know, it didn't work out, it didn't happen. I mean, again, he's, he, he's in an embarrassing situation here. Where do they go? Do, do, they, do they go with a veteran? they go with the name? What do you think the Jaguars do? Or does it even matter at this point in time? Well, he's got the money to get somebody in there. The question is if, if he can have the situation that somebody who can win and build that place uh, would want to come to. You know, that means control. That means, you know, the open purse strings and all the different things that, that owners need to do. And that will really be the difference because, on the one hand, you've got to admire Mr. Khan's passion for winning. But on the other hand, they haven't won there. For many, 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 many years. It's not all his fault. He hadn't been there the whole time either, I don't think. I'm not sure how long he's been the owner. But the thing is, at some point, the owner needs to take a look at the boxes he's trying to check as he hires a new coach, as he hires a general manager, and uh, and look, look at himself as well. And so I think that's part of the process. The kind of coach he needs to bring in, though, is a guy that will have credibility with the players and that can develop players. A guy that can take a, a decent NFL guy and turn him into a more productive guy than other coaches can do. Because it'll take time to build up that roster, a lot of time. And then ownership will have to have plenty of patience while he goes about building up that roster. Because right now the roster of the Jaguars just has tons of holes. And they have all kinds of problems. I mean, their defense is historically bad. There's just all kinds of issues with them. Now, part of that, too, is, is injuries. I get it. But where the Jaguars go from here is not really a a rebuild so much as a, a startup. They need to kind of pretend 
that they are an expansion team again and think, okay, we're going to have to purge people as quickly as we can get away with it. You don't want to just dump your whole team and, you know, some guys can play okay, but you don't like them. Keep them until you get somebody that plays better, right? And so, but they've got to treat this that way, like it is a, a startup, an expansion team with a whole bunch of guys that are already under contract. And then build from there because right now the, the, the roster and the culture are not NFL ready. Right. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between the Jaguars and what's going on here in Vegas, uh, you know, with the Raiders. And we'll, t- we'll we touch on that, uh, you know, quite a bit, especially all the turmoil the Raiders have gone through on and off the field. Uh, Trevor, before we let you go real quickly, we got a very good game tonight in the AFC West with the Chiefs and uh, the Chargers. Uh, give us a breakdown. Well, they both have been up and down, haven't they? I think this really is all about the Chiefs. And the Chiefs' defense has been better in the last month or so. The question you've got to ask yourself, though, is has the, and the offense, too, but the offense still, statistically, is not where you expect them to be, although, really, they're showing signs that they can get back there pretty quickly. The thing about it, though, is if the Chiefs are playing at their potential, I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to keep up. And really... To me, the Chiefs' offense needs to get back to being the Chiefs' offense on a consistent basis and not rely on their defense. Then if their defense is better, good, all the better. But the Chiefs that we know have that offense rolling, and the defense is complementary to the offense, where they get a big lead, and then the defense can take risks, and they can perform better than their overall talent might allow them to. That's when the Chiefs are at their best. So what I really want to see is Mahomes in this offense getting back to looking like they have when they've been at their best. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, you know, the six-game winning streak by the Chiefs, a lot of that is because of the way the defense is, is played, and that's a, you know, too much uh, you know, a surprise, too, for even some Chiefs fans thinking, hey, you know, this defense was, was always kind of uh, you know, Achilles' heel, but uh, this defense has been rock solid uh, while that offense uh, was struggling a little bit. But uh, you expect uh, Mahomes and Kelsey and uh, even the running game to be successful, to have some success against – uh, especially, you know, a Chargers defense uh, that is susceptible to giving up chunks of yardage, especially on the ground. So we'll see what happens tonight. Chiefs, the three-point favorite on the road, SoFi Stadium. One thing we know for sure, Trevor, there'll probably be just as many Chiefs fans in that building, if not more, than Charger fans tonight in L.A. Well, I think the Chargers organization hopes so, because that means there's more people <laughs> buying tickets, buying hot dogs, and paying for parking. They don't care what color jersey they're wearing they, they care about the only color green <laughs> all right my man great stuff uh we appreciate it with you and thanks uh thanks for giving us some thoughts regarding the jaguars and urban meyer yeah thanks dc that the whole situation makes me sad but i appreciate you having me on to talk about you it. you got it brother be good and we'll talk to you tomorrow thanks a lot man all right, man. All right uh, you know we have a lot of fun on the show especially with trevor we'll go off the beaten path sometime uh, today a very serious nature very serious uh you know story there in jacksonville with urban meyer and a lot of people here will say hey, who cares about the jacksonville jaguars this is a big national story because of the way a head coach treated his players and his staff and how ownership said enough. Uh, commend Shad Khan for saying enough is enough with this clown, Urban Meyer, because I've been saying it for, for years. Never really you know, cared for the way he handled himself uh, at Florida and Ohio State, and he, he always came across, uh, hey, I'm going to do things you know, my way, and he really could care less overall about the job. Seemed like you know, not even you know, 
sometimes not even you know committing fully you know to this job it was it was all about him uh, seeing his name in lights and collecting a very big paycheck for wherever he's been. So we'll continue to follow uh, this story. I'm sure more and more will come out of this. Uh, other comments uh, from, from players from Jacksonville and maybe even players that played for Urban Meyer in college uh, as well, too. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little basketball. Tracy Murray will join us. We'll talk about Steph Curry being the all-time three-point king, and that's coming from one of the, the best shooters in the NBA has ever seen, too. Tracy Murray, that's coming up next. You're listening to some bullshit on the TC Monitor. All right, we saw Steph Curry become the all-time three-point king the other night at Madison Square Garden. I thought, hey, this is a great time to bring in one of our best sharpshooters that uh, we know, and that is Tracy Murray. Played in the league for 12 years, of course, and a great friend. And also does a fantastic job on the broadcast side with the UCLA Bruins Radio Network. So we've got a lot to talk about with Tracy. We bring him in right now. Trace, what's going on, brother? How's it going, TC? I'm good, man. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Right back to you, man. Right back at you. This uh, very uh, special time. And uh, uh, it's a basketball time. It's a holiday time. And uh, I know that uh, you're, you're juggling, man. Because you got all kinds of stuff going between uh, a family, work, and everything else, right? Oh yeah, that's always a busy time around this time. You know, around Christmas and this basketball season, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So I want to get to a couple of different things with you, Trace. But uh, let's let's first start with uh, with Steph Curry um, becoming the all time three point king. You know, you were one of the best shooters. You know, when you played, uh, not only in the NBA but before that in college, high school, scored over fifty nine hundred points. And uh, Tracy, believe it or not, I, I think I have this number right. I, uh, do you know how many threes that you actually hit during your NBA career, my friend? Uh, no, I don't. I wasn't allowed to shoot this many, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go there with that. 758. 758. Can you imagine if you were playing in today's day and age of the NBA and you did have the green light, where you would be? I will probably be up there where they are. <laughs> right, exactly right. So, hey, as a as a sharpshooter yourself, man, and, and a guy who was one of the best three point shooters when you played, how much do you appreciate what Steph Curry uh, has accomplished and everything he's done, and really what he means to the game? Well, TC, we talked about this a couple of times, man. It's like I, I said before he even became the best three point shooter ever. Uh, I already said that he had the crown. I said this a long time ago because he does it differently than everybody else. Everybody else would catch and shoot or maybe coming off of a screen. Maybe one or two dribbles, escape dribbles, or a step back or something. He's doing it off of pick and rolls. He's doing it uh, in transition, dribbling the ball. Uh, He's doing it off of, you know, pick and rolls, uh, uh, um, um, all kinds of ways dribbling the basketball and getting back to that three-point line of shooting. It's not just catch and shoot like the rest of us. So um, he, he's incredible with the way he shoots the ball, and he does it with range off the dribble. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. We have talked about this uh, before. People want to label him as just being a, a three-point shooter. And for me, and, I, and I've said it, 
You know, a lot of people want to, you know, we always hear the Michael Jordan and LeBron, you know, um, comparisons. And I've used, you know, throw Steph Curry in there as well, too. Different type of player. But when you need a bucket and uh, it's Steph Curry, it could be inside, it could be outside, it could be, you know, getting to the line, whatever it is. I mean, he's just a fantastic basketball player. And again, as we know, second-generation players, they just seem to be you know, more mature and they seem to be more polished. And uh, we saw that uh, with Steph Curry you know, the moment he came in the, the NBA. Uh, little Steph, skinny Steph, when he was at Davidson. And it was really cool to see Bob McKillop, his uh, college coach from Davidson, you know, be uh, at the Garden there the other night. So uh, I, I'm with you, man. You know how I feel about Steph Curry. Just not just a great shooter, but just a great player. And and I hope people remember uh, him for that when he's done playing this game five or six, seven years from now, because he's just uh, the the ultimate player and the ultimate scorer. And we don't hear about Steph Curry really getting in any trouble and, and being a disruption anytime. He's a class act as well, too. Well, I mean, comes from class family, you know. I mean, you know, don't don't judge him. By you know what's been in you know recent stuff. I mean, I knew them as a whole family and, and how they how they were then, and and they were raised under a happy roof. They were raised the right way. Um, those kids, I, I was around those kids for two and a half years, man, over uh, in Toronto, and I saw those kids after school, after I practice in the gym with their dad, getting work in. So the work started way back then. I saw them do it. They didn't use being in in Toronto, Canada as an excuse. They got to work. And and I tell you what, I think part of the reason why they may not have gone, you know, to a to a bigger college. Well, I know uh, Seth ended up going to Duke, but it, he started smaller. But these guys weren't really seen that much young because they were in Toronto for a little while. Then they come here and, and they have a certain look about them, being maybe not as tall, not as big and athletic looking, and people slap on them. But you got to understand, these guys, both of them, shoot the heck out of the ball, and they have a high basketball IQ and they know how to get their shots off. And if you if they even see the basket, just a half a look, that ball is going in. Absolutely, and Tracy referring to obviously Del Curry, who Tracy played with uh, in Toronto. You know, uh, you know, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and two. A little Steph Curry, you know, running around there. Uh, fantastic stuff. How cool was it to see Steph Curry break this record at the Mecca at Madison Square Garden, and with Ray Allen and Reggie Miller both in attendance there? Well, it couldn't have been a more perfect place to to break the record. I mean. If you haven't played a great game in Madison Square Garden, you're missing something, especially being on the opposing team. Uh, and then he happens to break the record there, you know, in front of Spike Lee, you know, who tormented Reggie for years, and Reggie got him back with his play on the court. And I'm sure Ray Allen had huge games in, in, in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that place is the mecca. And and it's just a different energy there and and, and and the fans are very educated about basketball, very passionate. So to see him break it there and get the kudos from the New York fans, that means a lot. One thing that Prince said in the 1999 album, all the critics love you in New York. And that's where you got to perform. There you go. Absolutely. Good stuff. Tracy Murray joins us. Uh, one of the great uh, shooters uh, the NBA has seen. 
Uh, Tracy, who was maybe the best shooter that you either played with or against during your time in the NBA? And I know oh, there's a lot of them. Def- with, it was definitely Dale Curry. Yeah. Dale Curry was the best shooter that I played with. Wow. I mean, when we were in practice and we were going against Vince Carter and, 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 and Mo Peterson, it, it was like – Pick your poison on what side you want to go to off the floppy action because, you know, we're running off of, of, off a of really good pitch and we're using each other to get open and both of us know how to run off screens. And it was like making a layup for either one of us running off screens. So it, it, it was funny because when, when, when you can shoot and you know how to play chess with each other, um, it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun times in practice when we were on the same team. And when you're going back, and you mentioned seeing uh, Steph and Seth, you know, at a young age like that, did you actually, could you see the development? Could you see uh, a young Steph Curry at that point in time, just the way, you know, his mechanics were and the way he was shooting the basketball? That like, hey, you know, I know he's, he's a little kid, but man, this, you know, he comes from, he comes from Dell. Uh, th- this guy might be something special. Could you see that at that young age? You can you can see that the kids loved the game. They had a passion for it. Um, that, that's one thing that, um, that that you saw at an early age. And Steph would always say, Seth is the guy. And I'm, I'm like, you sure? Because I'm looking <laughs> to Steph shoot the ball right now. But, you know, I mean, he was right about, about Seth. He made it to the league. You know, he got both of them in the league. But I, I know that he knew that that Steph was was special. But he was he was looking at Seth being, at the time, the more and more potential, I guess. But I tell you what, to have the all-time best shooter uh, ever as your son, and you were a great shooter, and you have another son that's a great shooter that, and they both play in the NBA, the same league that you played in, you've done something right. Yeah. Just this thing about those grandkids too, maybe coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they got, a, then they got a, uh, He's got a son-in-law that's married to his daughter, so and they're on the same team, so it's all in the family over there. There it is. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the the three point shot, and we talked about it yesterday about you know the progression and and where it's come, and and you know going back to the the first year the three point shot was implemented the seventy nine eighty season teams were making you know less than than one. Uh, three-pointer a game. They're only attempting three. And then you go to Steph Curry's rookie season in 2009 and 10. You know, the average was six made. And now we fast forward to today in the 2021 season here where uh, you know, you know, twelve are made, but there's like 35 attempted now. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And let me just ask you point blank, Tracy, as you watch today's NBA, and it's obviously coming down to the, you know, spurring down to the college game as well, too. Has the three-point shot, you know, ruined the game in the sense that everybody thinks they're a three-point shooter? It doesn't matter if you're a point guard. It doesn't matter if you're a power forward or you're a seven-foot center. You all think that uh, do you have a three-point shot. I think it, I, 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 it does ruin it to a certain extent because now you have guys that think they are but that means they don't really know their game. You know, if, if you are not a three-point shooter, play to your strength. Um, you got, you're right. You got everybody shooting a shot now, and, and some of them are not capable of knocking one down. I mean, the sun shines on, you know, on somebody every now and then to where they'll knock down a couple. But on, on, uh, realistically, it's, it's, you know, it's, 
That's why teams are in the 30 percentile is because you got those other guys shooting the ball. But if your team is equipped for analytics like Golden State, where you got a team full of shooters, it makes sense. But if you don't have that team and you're not equipped with that type of talent, it doesn't make sense. So you have to play according to what you have. And, and I think that's where the biggest misconception with this, this analytic style of play is, is you got Golden State's equipped for it. I don't know anybody else in America or the world that's equipped for more than them. So, yeah, it makes sense for them to play for it. Man, these dudes pass up on floaters and layups just to pass it out for a three. Yep. Now, I don't think everybody's equipped for that. I totally agree. You know, when I look at the, the list here of the guys that have had the three-point record, and again, we've had the involvement where, again, we didn't have all of these guys you know, shooting uh, this many, but I'm going to give you some names here, and just give me some quick thoughts. Now, a couple of these guys played before you got in the league, but you know them all, and, and then several of them you actually played played against. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Adams in 1991, he, you know, he went back and he set the record at 626. Then Dale Ellis broke his record and they kind of went back and forth for a few years of breaking each other's record while they were still playing. Then of course, Reggie Miller, uh, and then Ray Allen. And then of course now Steph Curry, uh, when you hear those names, what, uh, what do you think of? I think of everybody that they all can shoot the basketball. They were all different players. Michael Adams had a weird-looking shot. But yeah, he, he did. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was almost like a double-pump three-point shot. Right, but it went. And he got—he actually know? got lift. I mean, he—he he, and I was talking to—we yeah. were talking to Big Bill Cartwright yesterday, and Bill said, hands down, the best that he, that he had seen or played with against was Craig Hodges, and Craig had more of that jump shot too. And that's and that, Michael Adams was kind of a herky-jerky jump shot, like you just described. Right, right. And, and, but he found it. You know, he, he made it consistent for for his shot. That's why you can't really question people's form. Look at Jamal Wilkes. This form was different, but it was consistent for him. You know, it's like it's like you can't quite. You have to see what people are working with, and, and, and then see if they're consistent with it. And, and those guys that you named, they had range and they were extremely consistent with their shots. And they didn't shoot bad three-point shots. They shot the ones that they were capable of making, the ones that were wide open. You weren't, you know, you weren't able back then to just take a crazy three-point shot unless it was like at the end of a shot clock or the end of the quarter or something. Everything else had to be, you know, you had to have some time to let it go, or else you were going to get yanked out of the game. Yeah, the the numbers are crazy. Uh, Steph is now at at twenty nine, think seventy eight, because you know we had four or five the other night. Where do you think he ends up? Give me, give me a number, Tracy. For for where do you think he ends up as total three pointers made, and w- will anyone ever break this? No one's going to ever break it. He's going. He's the best to ever do it. Um, he has the ultra green light to shoot it whenever he wants to, um, and there's no one that shoots it with the range that he has with green light with that accuracy. Uh, it's not going to be caught. Um, he. Probably will finish, and it all depends on his health. Uh, he will finish somewhere, in, you know, around five or six, maybe thousand. <laughs> you think that many? I was going to say, could he get to four thousand? I mean, that'd be an, it'd be a, maybe four, maybe four, yeah, forty five hundred. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. insane, isn't it? You got you got to understand. He, he's putting them up now. He's not. He's not like 
It's not like he's not shooting them. He's getting them up. And and him getting them up, he shoots it at a high clip. So, you know, it's like the sky's the limit for him. I, I hope he puts it out of his misery. I hope no one can catch it because he's a guy that deserves it. He worked hard his whole life. And, and you know, to, to you know, follow in his dad's footsteps, how much pressure is that? Right. You know, and then, and then to – to surpass what his dad has done, I mean, I know his dad is proud, man. You know, it, it took Steph Curry 789 games to break this record, and, you know, it took Ray Allen 1,300 to set it. Now, sure, like you said, he has that freedom and everything, but here's the most impressive thing. It goes back to the beginning of this conversation. It's the accuracy, the consistency yep. of Steph Curry, 43%. 43% he hits. That's unheard of from beyond the arc. That's amazing. It's amazing, but it's called putting in the work. Yeah. He is a guy that knows his shot. Have you ever seen this guy's warm-up routine? Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, up close and personal. Yeah, it, I love it. I, uh, phenomenal. I, I thought I was the only one that shot the ball from that far and that right. consistent. But right. he, he does it like a layup. And, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, he's shooting the ball from the stands and all kinds of stuff, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's amazing watching him put on the show and warm up. It is. All right, real quick, Warriors, uh, are, are they're, they're back to the Warriors that we saw years ago, my friend. Uh, why is this team looking so good? Is it is it solely because Steph Curry is having another MVP type of season? Or what else is going on with his team? Because, really, roster-wise, it's pretty much the same team, except you bring back Andre Godala, which I loved. But uh, what is it with the, this Warrior team? Well, you, you have the core unit. You know, Iguodala's back. You have Draymond, who's healthy. You have Steph, who's health, healthy. You know, Andrew Wiggins is having a good season. You know, they were waiting on him to come along. Um, the, the young guys, Jordan Poole and, and, and the young cats that are on that team are stepping up and playing uh, just like, you know, the core unit's playing. When you have everybody buy, the, buy into to the style of play and being unselfish, and looking for each other, everybody gets open shots. You get shots that you're capable of making. And oh, by the way, they're doing this without Clay Thompson yeah. and Wiseman. Wait until those guys come back. Look out. And, 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 and Looney is healthy this year, too, mm-hmm. so that helps, too. All right, Tracy Murray, the sharpshooter, also does a great job on the UCLA Bruins radio network. Uh, got a chance to see Tracy when you were here a couple weeks ago when UCLA uh, played uh, UNLV. You guys had a game last night that was postponed. Uh, Mick Cronin having COVID now. What is the status of him and the rest of this team, Tracy, where you guys had to postpone the game last night? Well, I, I, I don't know the status of anybody having COVID yet. I just know that they were going to test because there was some precautionary situation. So hopefully, I, I, I haven't gotten the latest. Uh, maybe you got the latest uh, press release. I know I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't gotten anything yet. But from what I knew last night, no one had COVID. It was just a, pre, a some type of precautionary thing happened with somebody maybe having a scratchy throat. And they said, well, we need to test everybody. So it's like they took an extreme caution and said, all right, let's shut this one down. You know, and, and Mick was under the weather. So it's like, let's, let's, let's shut this thing down. Let's test everybody and make sure, you know, we don't have something going on here. And, and they didn't want to expose the other team, which I felt bad for Alabama State 
because, you know, that's their NCAA game playing against UCLA. Right. They, they've been out there for four days. Um, you know, I talked to Mo Williams before the game. He was excited. I talked to Trey Johnson. I used to coach him in the, in the D League when he was with Bakersfield. Um, good friend of mine. Um, played with the Lakers for a couple years. It's like these guys were excited to coach their team. But there was a guy, DJ Jackson, that's on the team that my brother coached. Uh, for a couple of games with with Etiwanda High School that that have uh, 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 Clark on our team, uh, you know that's that's his teammate in high school. So, you know, it's like I know that kid. He was excited to play, and and it was unfortunate. Uh, Cody Riley was was excited to play. He was going to come back and play since the injury. So, you know, there was a lot of things that that people were excited about last night, and unfortunately, the game didn't happen. And this isn't isn't the first time. A couple weeks back, you guys got a forfeit against Washington because yeah. they they couldn't feel the team. And you go look at the score. UCLA got a victory two nothing in a Pac twelve conference game. Right, you know, and this is the thing about it is this thing doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah, and and you know it's unfortunate, and um, we're just going to have to you know see what happens. All right, UCLA against North Carolina, part of the CBS Sports Classic here, T-Mobile Arena. Always love uh, this uh, this event, uh, Tracy. And then you got Kentucky and Ohio State playing in the nightcap. So I know you're you will be here calling uh, the action for the the Bruin Radio Network. Uh, pretty excited. Hopefully, this you know you guys get a chance to play Saturday against uh, against yeah. against the uh, the Tar Heels. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so too because I know the guys are looking forward to this game. I know North Carolina's looking forward to this game. We're always looking forward to, to this event. Um, it's a very exciting time whenever we're, we're in this event every year. You know, four of the top Blue Blood programs in America going at it. Um, you know, it's an exciting time when, when we're all together. So I just hope everything's okay and we're able to make the trip. And, and have the game. And this has worked out good for you, you know, because you know Tracy spends a lot of time here in Vegas, has a home here. You guys played UNLV, you played Gonzaga, and now you're coming back to play Carolina. It's, hey, man, I'm loving it. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. And he's also the coach, Tracy Murray. I, I got to get an update here. All right. Uh, you're, any of your girls' teams beating up on, on, on the boys' teams? You know, in in the oh, in the ten U division. Eight, <laughs> well, I remember we talked about that. I remember we talked about this before too, because you had said that this this had gone on. But then I did see, yes, yes. So this isn't the first time, though, right? Well, well. So so what happened was um, it was a tournament out there, and I guess you know the, the girls were in the girls tournament, and I guess there was some other tournament, bigger name tournament that popped up, and all of a sudden all the girls teams leave. So. <laughs> But, you know, Prodigy's left there standing, you know, so they put him in the 10U boys tournament over there and ended up winning the tournament. <laughs> That's and awesome. I, I just, I just, you know, I'm proud of the girls. I, I, I coached them last year. I'm not coaching them this year. Dion, uh, Coach Dion for Prodigy is coaching them this year. Um, he's, he's really helped them all, you know, raise the level of their game. He, he's given them structure. Uh, he's, he's very passionate. But the girls are looking very good. All of them are improving. I'm I'm so happy for them to to see them play and to see them win. And you know we've had some we had some rough stretches last year because of you know playing. Uh, you know we we play up a lot. So you know we got our heads beat in a couple of times. And you know just to see that you know there was a lot of things that they needed to work on during the off 
season part of it. And, and they worked on it and addressed their problems, and they, they came back a better team. And, and, and I guess those losses last year, it built their character. Of course. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Then, always yeah, ma- always yeah. makes you stronger, individually and yeah. as a team. We know that. Good stuff, man. Yeah, my daughter and my niece, they're, they're playing very well, so they're getting better all the time. Great stuff, man. We'll, we'll keep up uh, the, the great work there. I know you're not officially coaching, but you know you you, you got a hand in it, man. You got a hand in those youngsters. I know you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coaching the 17U boys team. I'm, I'm assistant coaching my brother on the elite team. So that's when I get started. I get started in the spring and summer. That, yep. That's when I, I get going, and I assist wherever I can, whenever I'm at practices. You got it, brother. All right, Tracy. Appreciate you as always, man. Look forward to hopefully seeing you. Uh, you know, this weekend. And, uh, you know, again, be safe and everything. Hopefully we got some basketball on Saturday here at T-Mobile. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks, T.C. Take, Take care, care bro- man. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you and your family. Tracy Murray, great friend and just a great guy all the way around. All right, and we come back. Woo! Man, well, to open up the phone lines, we'll take some phone calls, get your thoughts. We'll talk Raiders and Browns. We'll get you updated uh, everything else is happening in the National Football League. More and more COVID cases happening. B-Sal, Brian Salmon will join us from News 3 as well, too. We'll talk about Las Vegas being awarded Super Bowl 58 in 2024, February 11th to be exact. We look forward to that. One hour down, one to go. T.C. Martin Show on this thunderous Thursday. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor is now in. Hour number two coming at you here on this Thursday edition TC Martin Show. Don't forget, tomorrow we will be at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Come on out, see the show live, 2 to 4 p.m. Of course, our best bets in effect tomorrow. And also, special guest, Showtime Sean Porter in the house tomorrow. Will be his first appearance since announcing his retirement after the fight just a few weeks back against Terrence Crawford at the Mandalay Bay. So, Showtime Sean Porter, great friend, great guy, now re- enjoying retirement. So he'll be in the house uh, tomorrow. Moreland Greenwood, the former NFL linebacker with the Saints, he will join us, and he's also the director of the NFL alumni chapter here in Las Vegas. He will be with us tomorrow at the Cosmopolitan. And like we said, best bets and a whole lot more. Come on out, see the show live, meet and greet. Showtime Sean Porter, Moreland Greenwood, all of us there at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. All right, the big news of the day, as we talked about first hour, Urban Meyer fired in Jacksonville, going 2-11 and in his only season, did not make it out of his first season as an NFL head coach. Uh, embarrassing, to say the least. Uh, this season filled with dysfunction there in Jacksonville. 
It was less than a year ago where owner Shad Khan said, I got this one right. That was his quote. I got this one right. He had just fired Doug Marone. There was a little controversy about that. And then going in favor of Urban Meyer and bringing him in with no head coaching experience at the professional level. Uh, Shad Khan's comment earlier today, after deliberation over many weeks and a thorough analysis of the entirety of Urban's tenure with our team, I am bitterly disappointed to arrive at the conclusion that an immediate change is imperative for everyone. I inform Urban of the change this evening. This this statement was actually uh, late, late last night. After midnight, actually. And as I stated in October, regaining our trust and respect was essential. Regrettably, it did not happen. Offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel will serve as the interim head coach for the remainder of the season. And GM Trent Baalke will continue in his position. So, there it is. Uh, Another case where a college coach in the NFL, it doesn't work. Uh, The respect factor definitely plays into this. So many problems under Meyer's guidance. After he was hired on January 14th of earlier this year, it was under scrutiny from the very, very beginning. And it all started with his very first hire that he made. The very first hire he made in February, strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle from Iowa. And you remember that story where Doyle made racist comments, was also bullying and belittling players uh, at the University of Iowa. He resigned a day later after that story broke. In May, Urban Meyer signed Tim Tebow to play tight end. Of course, a position that Tebow never played before. Uh, He was part of the first cuts back in uh, training camp in July. Uh, NFL fined Jacksonville $200,000 and Meyer $100,000 for excessive contact during the June 1st OTAs. The team had to forfeit two OTAs for next season, bringing them down to, to eight, which is a big deal. In August, the NFLPA said it would initiate an investigation after Meyer said he and Balky considered what a player's vaccination status were uh, when it came to final roster cuts when they set the 53-man roster because, as we know, COVID-19 protocols are, are different for vaccinated players compared to unvaccinated players. Uh, Meyer also had a quarterback controversy during training camp. Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. Uh, he said, hey, it's going to be open competition because Gardner Minshew actually had played pretty well the year before. Um, those two got alternating days for most of uh, training camp. And uh, finally, he named Lawrence the starter because he had a lot of pressure there and uh, ended up trading Minshew to the Philadelphia Eagles three days later. Uh, during training camp, former kicker Josh Lambeau accused Meyer of kicking him in the leg while he was stretching in warm-ups. Uh, that story just came out in the last couple days. Then there, you got to remember the uh, the video of Urban Meyer uh, during their bye week where he was uh, with a woman at a bar uh, that was not his wife. Uh, tensions between staff and players. That has been happening a lot over the last few weeks. And then it all kind of came to a head with wide receiver Marvin Jones. Uh, and Meyer had heated words on the sideline, also in practice. Uh, Jones actually left the team for a while after Meyer publicly criticized the wide receivers' reports that uh, Meyer had called his assistant coaches losers. And uh, he also questioned their resumes during a staff meeting. So a lot behind this decision and good for 
Jacksonville Jaguars owner, uh, Shad Khan, to just come down and say, you know, enough is enough. And uh, again, we talked to Trevor Match first hour. If you missed that, that interview will be up on the website. Go check that out later. Great stuff there. And uh, and Trevor hit the nail on the head as well, too. I mean, Urban Meyer has got this narcissistic attitude. It's always been about him. And, you know, if you go back and you remember when he was at Florida, he retired. Uh, there were some health issues, family issues. They wanted him to retire. But then again, as Trevor pointed out, there were some questionable character issues there. All right? Aaron Hernandez, prison, killing himself. Uh, then he goes to Ohio State after you know taking a year off because he retired. Got back into it at Ohio State. Then left Ohio State. Took some time off again. Retired again. Uh, went to you know, the studio work in broadcasting with, with Fox. Uh, then all of a sudden the Jaguar opening came up. He wants that job. Got the job. But Urban Meyer has always been that guy who marches to a beat of his own drum and basically doing everything uh, on his own terms. So if you got thoughts on this, uh, chime in. 702-221-7283. 702-221-7283. Love to hear from you. And also Raiders-Cleveland. That game on Saturday, it will go on, even though the COVID numbers are outrageous. Uh, more news coming out. Uh, we talked yesterday. Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski tested positive for COVID. Well, now we find out that Case Keenum, who was supposed to start Saturday, he's on the list now. So more than likely, that's not going to happen. So who's your third-string quarterback? Oh, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins from the San Francisco 49ers. Remember him? He's on the practice squad. He's now elevated. Yeah. So all of a sudden, the Raiders... We're a three-point underdog coming off that fiasco Sunday in Kansas City. Now the Raiders are a favorite. And it went and this morning the Raiders were a one-point favorite. And I've got a feeling that, that line now will escalate up to two, maybe three. You could have a six-point swing in this game. And the Raiders being favorite. So if you bet Cleveland early, uh might not like uh, might not like your your bet right now. We'll see. All right. Let's go to the phones. Slappy, what's happening, my man? How much there, TC? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I got to give uh, kudos to you, man. Slappy has been burned up at the window. Slappy, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, still alive in the Survivor Series. Our guy, our staff member, Matt Holt, he hung around up until, what, three weeks ago when they were down to less than 300 and then Matt ended up going out that Thanksgiving weekend, but Slappy's still alive. Is this true? It is very true. Love 23, it. 20, 23 people still alive. 23, and one of them is you, my friend. Congrats. Well, it's, it's, it's congrats until the final, That's the final true. week. That's but, but still, yeah. You, you have to continue on. I mean, we still have five weeks to go in a sense because we still have to play Christmas Day or Thursday. Right, and we, those are only six teams or whatever. So that's going to be the that's going to be a big week because um, with all this COVID coming down, it's like you just have to pick your game and pray basically because you never know because you got you got to put your plays in on Saturday before three, and then Sunday you're just going like, can I have a team that plays today because everyone's coming down with this COVID? Right, and we're talking about the Circus Survivor Contest. 
uh, $6 million, winner take all for this thing. Uh, uh, Slappy, I, I don't know if, if you could stand uh, You could stand up. I mean, I don't want you to keel over here, man. Just the thought of you and $6 million, I mean, that, there's, there's going to be some serious uh, partying going on knowing you. That's for sure. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it's for sure going to be a big party if I, if I can go ahead and still hang on. I'm just got to pick five games and and go twenty and zero at least. And uh, right now we're looking at uh, if we split it right now we're looking at two hundred sixty thousand. Mm. Um, but uh, I think a few people are going to be going down here in the pretty soon. All right. So what has been your strategy when you? Because I always wonder, you know, when you're doing the Survivor Con, I know some people just will go, okay, opening week, oh, I've got this team. They'll look at maybe two or three weeks. But the serious player really tries to map this thing out. I'm very curious, in your handicapping, when you started this contest, going back in September, how far did you map this thing out? And at what point in time is it like, hey, uh, I'm just going to kind of you know go with the flow here? I mapped it out pr- pretty much all the way throughout, trying to pick the best team for that week and then move on. And I had a game. Pittsburgh was playing the Lions. That was the that was the big game, and it was the choice of okay, do I go ahead and wait and play Dallas for Thanksgiving, or do I play Dallas now because Pittsburgh Pittsburgh tied them, which made a tie to lose in this contest. So I played Dallas that week, and that was the big week. Wow! Because right. because I chose I chose okay, I, I'm not going to play Dallas. For Thanksgiving, I'm going to wait to play the Bears or Detroit. I want to take in the Bears, so I got. I get. You know, you have to get lucky here and there, mm-hmm. and um, I got lucky. In fact, uh, when Minnesota played Detroit the first time, they had to make a long kick, and I won that game because they had to come back. And, and when they won that game, I moved on. And it, it's just been a whole entire. There's a lot of luck involved, but there's also a strategy of going like I got to. Wait for this team. I got to wait for this team. I only have Green Bay for Christmas Day, so I waited for Green Bay, and they're going to be the highest point spread probably, and they're going to be playing the Browns, right? Who's going through this COVID right now? Because and that week you have Thursday's game, which is San Francisco playing Tennessee. You can play, or you can play Indianapolis and Arizona, or the Browns at the Packers. You have to pick one of those games. So I just said, I'm going to go with Green Bay and hold my own. And if I could do that, then I move on, then I move on, then I move on. So what teams do you have left? Teams I have left are Atlanta, Carolina, Cincinnati, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Raiders, Miami, New Orleans, the Giants, the Jets, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and Washington. And right now, this week, with with those teams remaining that I have, I'm looking at Miami, which I got bad news today because Waddle's out, plus they have some running backs out with covid and I have Philadelphia. Those are the two games I'm looking at right now. Right. And, and, of course, it's probably not by any coincidence that basically you have one team 
with a winning record. One or two teams left that have winning records, and then again, it'll be interesting which to see. Everyone else does. Exactly. Which everyone else does too, because yes, if you look at if you go to the the website or whatever, you can look on there and, and you can see how many people have left with certain teams. How many weeks? So it, how many weeks have you actually taken an outright underdog and got home there? Zero. Zero. So you've been taking taking favors a lot because again, that's that's kind of a ballsy move. But uh, you know, you know, sometimes you know we know that people you know do that too. It's like, well, you know, most of the time, but people are going to take the the big numbers. And again, but uh, <laughs> it is it is a risk. Like you said, you need to have some luck, but there is some strategy that goes with this. But uh, and, and I think we we talked about this with, with Matt because we were following him. But the the number of contestants. I mean, it was, it was a ridiculous amount where this thing started. What was that number again? Four thousand, over four thousand. Yeah, yeah, four thousand, and we're down to twenty. And you can play up. You can play up. You can play up to six entries. And I, I only played one. I played one. I played one in the circa regular contest, and one in the circa survivor contest. And last week, in fact, I did. I played the, the circa. I'm forty-one, twenty-eight, and one in the circa regular contest. I went five and zero last week. But it was, I mean, last week was all favorites pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, it's it, you try to pick your dogs whatever here and there, but this, with this COVID thing, it's really, it's tough. It's a tough contest. No, it's a very From tough. week to week. Yeah. And just look. Because, because these, you know, I've, I've got a strategy right now. I, I was looking at the games going like, okay, this week, uh, Philadelphia and Miami. And then Christmas Day, Green Bay. And then the next week, I think it's the Chargers playing the Texans. And then the following week, Seattle playing Detroit. And then the final week, then it comes down to the, you know, that's what I'm looking at. But it, but things can change with COVID. Yeah, I mean, so. that's, that's tough. I was looking at those two games that you're talking about, you know, uh, Miami over the Jets, and then you've got Philly over Washington. And just something that just sticks out to me, you know, that this Washington team, they've been pretty good in Philadelphia. You really can't count on them, even though they're a nine and a half point favorite. I don't know, uh, Slappy, I, I would probably lean, if it's me, I'd probably lean towards Miami because they are playing some very good football right now. I know what you're saying about Waddle, but again, the, the Jets have mailed it in. They have no one uh, to run the ball. They have no one to play quarterback. So, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll follow you, man. So that, 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 that would be my endorsement. There it is. Don't. <laughs> The one, the one thing I have to say is I've been playing teams on buys too. Right. I, I had like l- last week, last week I played, I played Tennessee and then they played Jacksonville. The week mm-hmm. before was, uh, uh, Kansas city played. They played Denver. So it's like, I like those bye weeks too right now, but now the bye weeks are over with. So then you have to go on. There you go. All right, man. Uh, con- congrats so far, and uh, and keep on keeping up. So, uh, okay. So you you called in. I kind of diverted the uh, the conversation a little bit. What's going on, man? Not much. Just playing. Uh, just got done with playing the uh, World Series of Poker. Uh, playing some uh, horse tournaments online or whatever. Uh, just uh, getting ready to go on some vacations here and there, and uh, having a goal of time. I want to let you know that Ohio State will not be playing Kentucky either. This Saturday because of COVID for basketball. So I haven't seen that uh, that news or that press release come. come, Yeah, I haven't seen it come across yet. Then again, you know, been on the air for nearly the last two hours. So, and we were just talking to Tracy, as you probably heard, with UCLA. 
playing uh, North Carolina, and we know that that game could be a jeopardy. That would be terrible if this whole thing uh, got uh, got postponed because, as as we know, a lot of people come to town, come to Vegas for that, and I know you've been to those games, and it's nearly a sellout every time at T-Mobile Arena. But, uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, I'm seeing it now. The, the Buckeyes are dealing with COVID outbreak. And uh, they've already canceled the game. So Ohio State not making the trip here to Vegas. So there's some breaking news right there. Wow. That'd be terrible. Yes, I know. It's, this, this COVID this, this COVID is, is not gone. And, and people have to realize that uh, it's not gone and it's not, it's not going away anytime soon. Yep. And we know that. All right, my man. We appreciate you checking in, man. Appreciate uh, the call. And, uh, and good luck to you on the Circa Survivor. Thank you very much, the TC. All right, there it is. All right, Slappy checking in. All right, two two one seven two eight three. If you want to uh, to chime in uh, regarding anything regarding the Urban Meyer situation, uh, Raiders, Browns, uh, feel free to uh, to chime in and give us uh, your your thoughts here on uh, things going on, or comment on anything that we had talked about uh, earlier with uh, Trevor Maddich and, and Tracy Murray uh, as well too. All right, uh, we continue keeping on here uh, to the phones we go. Let's talk to John. John, what's going on? Hey, TC, how you doing? Great, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah, um, I've been a fan of you for a long time. You know, I even went to your NWC cards at the uh, Silver Nugget a long time ago. <laughs> Thank you. I love hearing that. Okay, and well, if, you, if you listen, you know we do have those reunion uh, shows every now and then, and RVD, uh, we still have him on a regular basis. So, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that support back in the day. I remember day. when he used to t- tag up with Bobby Bradley. Absolutely. There it is. Aerial <laughs> Assault at its finest. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on uh, – you can see me in the crowd on, on your tape. You know, you have oh, the wrestling tape. Right. Okay. I'm in the audience. <laughs> John's in the hey, audience. Hey. Are, are, are you? Uh, how distinguished are you in, in some of those um, – uh, uh, things. Did you wear the same thing all the time, John, or are you just? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not the guy in the front that wore the Iowa, Iowa shirt. shirt. There you go. I always wonder where's that Iowa guy because we just called him Iowa. Where's Iowa? You show up like <laughs> clockwork. You know, yep. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I just want. I just want to ask ask you a simple question though. You know, yeah. you you promote that. You're always talking about like COVID, and you bring that 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 doctor on and everything. Let me ask you a common sense question though. If you could actually. Uh, if people are actually transmitting things to other people, you know, communicable diseases, let's say, you know, transmitting diseases, how would there be doctors, hospitals, nurses, and hospital staff? Wouldn't they all be dead, though? They would They would never have, uh, I mean, how do they do that? I don't know, uh, John. I mean, uh, even though I do uh, play a doctor uh, on the radio, I, I'm, not, I'm not a medical one. So, so there you go. Well, let so. me ask you another question, though. <laughs> Can you even name like one famous like politician or athlete that's died from uh, from COVID, though? If it's real. Can I name? Can I name one? I'm 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 sure I could. I'm I'm sure I could if I really put my mind to it. So I don't know. Is you, what's your What's your point to to the the call though, John? Is it is co- well, co- COVID, mean, a, COVID big, isn't real or fan, what? I mean, I'm a big fan of you and your radio. You know, like you know, you as a radio person or anything. I just kind of uh, I just don't really appreciate how I think you're. It's doing harmful to the public, like vaccines and stuff. Okay, you're ruining people's health. All right. Well, th- you're, you're promoting that kind of stuff in this hoax and everything. I think it's ridiculous because, like I said, if people actually transmitted diseases to other people, there wouldn't even be anybody walking on Earth. They'd all be dead. 
Okay. Well, John, you know, that is that that is your opinion. And, uh, you know, again, from having Dr. Christina Madison on and talking about the COVID situation, we know that there have been millions of people that have died, you know, from this. Uh, I wouldn't go so far to call it a hoax. And again, I don't take the position here one way or the other of, of getting political on this show at all. I don't, as you know, I don't talk about that. But uh, the bottom line is we do know this is real. We see people that have got infected. We know people, uh, you know, I, I've worked with several people, including my own producer, who was uh, violently ill for weeks, uh, you know, with this. So we know that it is a real thing. And again, if it's your choice to to be vaccinated or not well, to be vaccinated, that, that is that is 100% your choice. Well, but you, you do have to your, think about, about other people that you're come, around. All your health comes from within. It has to do with what you drink, mm. your level of exercise, mm. your stress mm. level. You know, your clean water, clean air, stuff like that. That's why people in third world countries get things like smallpox, because they have, you know, really unsanitary conditions there. They don't have clean water and good food and uh, stuff like that. You know, that's that's why those that's why people in the first world countries generally don't have those kind of problems. All, right. all, the, all your health comes from within. It doesn't have to do with, uh, with uh you know, getting you know what, whether you've been injected with with some uh, bioweapon stuff, this the whole thing is ridiculous. So I mean, it, it's it's ruined my business. You know, it's ruined a lot of people's lives. All this this hoax and the and the whole thing. No, I'm sorry to hear that, John. I appreciate you okay. listening, my friend. Thank you for All calling, right. and uh, thanks right. for being a loyal listener. Appreciate that. All right, bye. There you go. All right, uh, let's continue on. Uh, Fernando, what's happening, Fernando? Thanks for calling in. What's up? Hey, hey PC, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. Hey. I still see that um, Solaire ball just went past my house. That home run ball. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, hey, I added you to my Festivus list coming up next week. So make sure you tune in, okay, buddy? Oh, you added me to the Festivus. Now, now is that... Now, Festivus usually isn't very complimentary, Fernando. I, I, thought, I thought I was... Uh, you had plenty of complimentary stuff for me. Oh yeah, I do. It's all it's all in good fun. Okay, <laughs> it's all in good fun. But um, I guess this. Well, I predicted the Raiders would go six and eleven this year, so I'm almost there. Okay, and then with this game coming up Saturday and at the, at the Browns, I think it's going to be raining, and it's going to be snowing, and it's going to be a little freezing. So I think these teams might tie. Ooh, a tie! Uh, you know, this game is so hard to handicap. As far as the weather go, I don't think we're gonna get we're gonna get snow. We got temperatures in the the mid to upper thirties, and you've got cold rain. I know we got that in the forecast. I don't know if we'll actually get snow or not, but no, I, I can't handicap this thing at all. Especially now that you know we have more than likely no Mayfield, probably no Case Keenum. Now you got Nick Mullins as your quarterback, and uh, you know I know how you feel about the Raiders, and I'm I'm with you to a certain degree on that as well too. Uh, this team is it continues to be a mess. So uh, I, I you know I said it two weeks ago. Very likely that they may not win another game in the final five games. They didn't beat the Chiefs last week. I'm not sure they could beat Denver next week, even though they have a game at home. But you know, it's a fluid situation, especially with the COVID now too. You just don't know. I mean, right now we're talking about 149 players just in the last two days uh, are are affected by this. So we got we got to keep an eye on this, man. And I just say this from a wagering standpoint. Everybody, just don't get your wagers in until close to kickoff because it, this this thing is changing uh, by the hour. And I was glad to see that um, we got the Super Bowl for twenty twenty four, 
And um, when it comes, hopefully if I'm still here uh, and around, you know, walking and talking and stuff like that, I'm going through some issues right now. Um, that'll be my seventh Super Bowl I'll be attending. Really? In person. Okay. Yeah. Well, Fernando, stay healthy, there. brother. You, We want you to stay healthy, okay, man? So make sure you're okay and you and you keep us posted. I appreciate you listening all the time and uh, and chiming in on, on, on the tweets and everything else, man. So so appreciate you, man. Keep on keeping on, brother. Okay. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Take care. There he is. All right, Fernando checking in. All right, we come back. B. Sal's going to join us. Brian Salmon, sports director over at News 3. Look forward to talking with him. And we talk Raiders, Browns, Saturday. We'll give you an updated COVID count on that as well, too. All right, let me put some water on your ball. More from the master debater. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. All right, join us tomorrow, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, 2 to 4 p.m. Best bet segment, of course. Showtime, Sean Porter in the house. Here we go. His uh, first appearance after retiring after his fight against Terrence Crawford a couple weeks back. So, love having Showtime on. So, we'll see you retired. First time we've visited with a retired Showtime Sean Porter. He's going to be kicking bags. He's going to be all relaxed. Hey, he always has a smile on his face. But, yeah, come on out. Uh, see Showtime Sean Porter, Moreland Greenwood, former NFL player with the Saints, the head of the NFL uh, Alumni Association here in Las Vegas. He'll be joining us tomorrow as well, too. So always a good time at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Numchick, you want to say something? I do. What do you want to say? He's not going to be happy, though. You don't think so? His what? Cleveland Browns. Are ruined they're, right now. They're decimated right they're now, down. aren't they? Exactly. Let's talk about that with our next guest. He is. I, I don't think he has the the suit on just quite yet because I think he's taking a couple personal days off. Brian Salmon, sports director, News Three, our guy. But I'm still he's still looking casual. Fly. That, that's what I'm banking on right now. <laughs> What's up, my man? What's happening with you, TC? Casual fly. You like, I like that term, man. See, there you go. I like that term. Never, man, I, I have a plethora of uh, of uh, of things, man. You never know what I'm going to say. You know, there you go. Now, I've, you got a plethora of ways to compliment me, man. I, I, that's why I keep you around. I like it. <laughs> you keep me around. Thank you. Thanks for keeping me around, brother. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. He, and occasionally oh, he'll shine. He'll shine the big camera in front of my face every now and then too. You know, when he doesn't have anything else going on. I love it. Now, any, anytime I get an opportunity to, man, I, I I try to try to give TC as much shine as possible. Some some much deserved uh, <laughs> recognition and shine here in Las Vegas, man, for sure. Appreciate you, man. So uh, what's going on? You got a couple days off? Is that is that the deal? Man, yeah, man. I'm loving life, man. As you know. <laughs> Jesse has some time off, so I worked, I think, like 10, 11 days, of 10, 10 days in a row, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, working is working, but the the big deal is the fact that when I have to work the sports night show on Sundays, do a whole half-hour show, edit it, write it, produce it, anchor it, all by myself, is uh, with no content pr- uh, given to me from Jesse, is is rough. Yeah. It is rough. I mean, that's that's basically a job of four people done all by myself. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to uh, to B Sal 
for uh, coming out last week, too, to our gathering, uh, celebrate uh, the life of Ballpark Frank. I appreciate you coming out, man. And uh, B-Sal, the moment he got off the news, he came on uh, down, spent some quality time with us at Twin Peaks, shared some stories, uh, some love and support, and then you went right back on the news, man. So I appreciate you. uh, It wasn't an easy uh, trek for you coming across town. (laughs) I appreciate you coming out, and I know everyone else uh, enjoyed seeing you, too, man. So thanks again for that last uh, Thursday night. You are absolutely welcome, man. Don't mention it. Um, I I appreciate the invite, man. Um, You already know me. Anytime I get an opportunity or I have the opportunity to talk to you, sure, you know, chop it up with you, um, I do it. And for that cause, absolutely come through. I'm just sad. I I miss Numchuck there, man. I I got there after he was already gone, right? Yeah, well, Numchuck got stuck at the station work. He was kind of like you. I mean, he's he he burns a candle here. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 like you. He's like he's a, he's a one man show over here. You know, got- it's, it's, it's tough being us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's talk a little Raiders Cleveland, and we saw what happened Sunday with the Raiders in Kansas City. How does this team respond? off of not only the performance piece, Al, but then the juvenile behavior that took place and, and all the shots that got, got uh, get, you know, was thrown their way, shot their way from, from fans to media for you know, stomping on the Chiefs logo at midfield and then getting drilled 48-9. to Then you come back with a short, short week this week. But now uh, no one's really talking about that. The Raiders have become a favorite. They went from an underdog in this game to a favorite because Cleveland now is decimated with COVID <laughs> issues. How do you figure this game? Yeah. Well, one, this is my take, man, and I don't know what you think about this, TC, but my take is I love trash talking. I, I didn't mind the whole stomping on the logo and all that kind of stuff. You get, I, don't, I don't have a problem with anybody talking trash in any sport, but you know like I know, man. You cannot write checks that your uh, your your A can't cash. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? You can't write checks that your A can't cash, man. So if you're going to do that, you got to back it up, and you certainly cannot get blown out 48 to nine. Like that's absurd. You can't do all that and then just get stomped. Um, so that was all bad. But yeah, the Raiders. I, I'm almost I'm almost sad for them in the fact that they are favored. Because you know, like I know too, that they play better in games in which they are not the favorites, games in which they kind of have to show a little something, i.e. Dallas on a short week going to uh, Texas. You know what I mean? Like no one expected them to win that game, and they played well. So this game, now that Cleveland has nothing, Cleveland has, you know, their back's against the wall. Um, I think that that bodes more so better for Cleveland than does the Raiders because the Raiders don't do well when they're expected and have high expectations of them doing well, in my opinion. No, that's true. And I think this really comes down. Well, both teams have been inconsistent all season long. I'm, you know, they've been hovering yeah. around 500. They've both underachieved, especially Cleveland. I mean, some people, many people picked the Browns, you know, to win their division. Uh, that's not going to be the case. Don't even know if they'll make the playoffs. So, but now you get hit with COVID, you know, Baker Mayfield, you get your head coach, uh, Kevin Stefanski. And now, you know, d- just during this show, we, we found out that Case Keenum is uh, on the COVID list now. And he was 
slated no. to start. Yeah. So now <laughs> Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins, you know, comes basically off the street onto the practice squad and now could be starting the game Saturday. And that's another thing, as we know. So all of these guys have to test negative for two consecutive days and 24 hours apart. So we know that that Mayfield is, is testing sometime late this afternoon, this evening, going to do again tomorrow, and he has to have you know two negative tests here. But if that doesn't happen, I don't know who's going to be quarterback. Well, we know it's probably going to be you know Nick Mullins. I mean, that's crazy. And so the Raiders now, thank you. Yeah, last time I saw Nick Mullins, I mean, he's throwing picks left and right, and he's on his back in a, in a game uh, for the 49ers last year, you know, when they had that long losing streak. So oh, it's wow. A, yeah, this, he was almost – he was about as bad as Tiedemann was when he played that game for the Bills. <laughs> right, there you go. Very close. <laughs> Very nice. But uh, oh, we. yeah. So again, wow. I don't know. Wow. I don't know how to handicap this game, and no one does because again, yesterday the Browns were a three-point favorite. Now the Raiders are a point, a point and a half favorite. And now with more news, I I guarantee the Raiders might be a two or three-point favorite here coming up here in the next day or two. It's craziness. See, I mean, I hate even saying this like this, but okay. So say the say that Mullins ends up having to start because Baker Mayfield still continues to test positive and the Raiders are a three-point favorite after that I almost feel like (laughs) I almost feel like the way that this season is going they still lose that game and more brown paper bags start coming out for for Raider Nation Mm. I mean I hate even saying it like that but it almost it almost the season is almost um filling out that way you know what I mean like I mean the Raiders are at a huge low right now huge low like that, that game that they had against the Chiefs was abysmal. Like that was just really, really, really bad. Um, so I, I don't know where. I mean, you can't go anywhere but up from here, I guess. Well, here's the thing: unless they lose to the Browns, and, and, you, and you you talk about you know where morale is and where the fans are, and it's almost you're you're getting that apathy. And we talked about this the other day. It's sad because this is really the first season, even though this is season two here in Las Vegas, but season one with fans, you haven't even completed, coming close to completed your home schedule yet. And the last two home games, I mean, there were fans that were booing. I mean, they were walking out of that, and you were there just like I was. That, you know, the Bengals game and then against Washington, the exact same thing. I mean, fans... They were dejected. They were irate. There were boos raining down because this team continues to start slow, especially at home, and they they don't finish well. And I mean, losing record at home this is this is ugly, B. Sal, and this is the first season uh, that that fans have been in the stands there. So that's where I, I think that you know you, it really comes into play, and it's noticeable how how fans are are, are really they're not happy, but. I mean, they're just. I think they're losing some interest. Oh yeah, I know that's bad. That's bad for it to happen in the first. I mean, this this season for the Las Vegas Raiders really has gone about as bad as it could possibly go. You know, I mean, if you if you add up just everything, add up everything, like to date, right now, this season is probably going as bad as it could possibly go, unless they lost every single game. The only the only bright spot well a couple bright the only bright spots I can think of of this season was the season opener 
at home and how that game ended and just how exciting that was and having Ice Cube and uh, Too Short in concert and having Rev Run DJ this past week. <laughs> those are three. Honestly, those are the only bright spots I can think of. Oh, and, and the fact that Bruce Buffer does the beginning of the game. Like well, that, let's that's th- just ingenious. Let's throw in Carlos Santana as well. Don't forget that. I mean, Carlos, yeah. yeah you know. I mean, that was a preseason. I love Santana. Oh, that's true. Like, that's true. Preseason. So I was like, okay. That doesn't count. Yeah. Okay, I understand. You're right. But no, but that, that comes. Santana's a man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that Baltimore game was, was great electricity, great excitement. But the last two home games, man, it is. Brutal. It, yeah, and, and I, I actually sat in the bowl for those two games. I made my way from the press box and went down. And it was, it, you know, it was, it was sad. I mean, it was sad. And just to, to be. Uh, amongst the fans and hearing, you know, them dropping f bombs and cursing their their home oh. team out. Oh, it's yeah, and you got to remember those people are spending a lot of money, not only for the <laughs> tickets but for the PSLs to just have the right to purchase tickets. I mean, again, there's yeah. there's a lot of people that that may be looking to sell these things, and we're we're seeing it, and we're seeing even teams that you you don't figure travel really well, like Cincinnati and Miami. And uh, in Washington, I mean, there were plenty of fans from those teams in that stadium. No, you're right. The teams that don't travel well, I think, will always travel well to Las Vegas, at least for like the first five seasons or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, but I think that's a good thing. I mean, you're probably like me in the fact that you've worked across, around the country, across the country, you know people all over the place, and you're probably getting phone calls Every week that the Raiders have a home game, hey, I'm coming to town. Or, hey, I'm going to be coming to town for this game. I'm coming to town for this game. Come, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> it's been like that for every single game for me. Yep. So uh, I, I think they'll always do well with road teams and whatnot. But just the, the locals and uh, Raider Nation, it's just been bad. I, I, did, I did some television for a Cleveland station today that's part of the whole Sinclair um, television network, Valley's out there in uh, Ohio, and – <laughs> the girl asked me, uh, the woman asked me, her name is Ashley, she asked me about, you know, what the Raiders thinking about Cleveland and the fact that they have, you know, this COVID and everything's going on with them. I had to tell her, I was like, man, nobody cares about Cleveland right now because this, this team is so bad and everything is going on so bad here in Las Vegas. They're not focusing on Cleveland at all. Fans aren't at all. Nobody is because the team is so bad. Yeah. You got to take care of uh, your own stuff first, right? And this team, like I said, exactly. they, they, they so many issues, you know, on the field and, and off the field, you know, for the Raiders. All right, Brian Salmon joins us, the sports director over at News Three. Uh, B. Sal, we we got some other news today too. I mean, you know, COVID is wrecking havoc uh, throughout all the sports leagues right now. We know that the NHL it's a factor, the NBA. We saw you know, a couple postponements with the Chicago Bulls uh, this past week. Uh, the numbers keep escalating here for the NFL. We talk about Cleveland and the Raider game. Cleveland has 22 players on the COVID list. The Washington football team <laughs> have 21. Um, you know, we've got uh, 150 right now. 150 players are in COVID protocol. Uh, Roger Goodell says the games will continue. They're going to play. But I'm just I'm just wondering here at at what point are we going to get to a point, you know, like the couple of these other leagues are contemplating about you know postponing games, and we know the NFL does not want to do that. 
But uh, these rosters, and we saw with the Detroit Lions last week, where basically their whole practice squad was gutted. There's only 16 players on a practice squad. They had to come up because so many guys from their 53-man roster were out. Uh, I don't know where where you see this thing going. Yeah, right now, it's the pandemic, if you will, of sports right now. You know what I mean? Because it's been hit pretty hard with a lot of different teams. Hockey seems like it's being hit the worst right now. But, um... You know, Cleveland losing all these guys. You figure there's so many teams, there's so many players on a roster for football. It generally should not affect you as much unless you're like a team like Cleveland, where it's your quarterback. You know what I mean? Like when Lamar Jackson had his, didn't he lose it? He he missed a game with COVID. Then Aaron Rodgers as well, because you know he was trying to be funny. But um, I think a couple teams have lost their quarterback. I remember in Denver last year, that was all bad for them. But uh, I, I I somewhat feel for. Cleveland, in that respect, the fact that they're going to be losing players because of COVID. Um, and imagine that, the fact that the Raiders haven't had any problems with it at all. And last year, they were the team hit the hardest, it seemed like. Right. They were hit the hardest. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's more isolated in specific cities with specific teams. You know, because there's a lot of teams you're not hearing anything about COVID. The Raiders being one. I think there's there's three teams that don't don't have anybody affected. Oh, is it one, two, yeah, there's there's five teams. So so uh, Jacksonville, uh, the Raiders, the Saints, the Niners, and the Buccaneers uh, do not have any uh, positive uh, cases as of right now. But uh, then again, Jacksonville has a little bit more problem than than, than COVID right now, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting ready to say it. until you said yeah. very well, very well. As soon as you said Tampa, I was going to say that every team that you named, I believe, was under five hundred. Right, that's true. Uh, I don't know about the Forty ers but I think almost every team under five hundred. What do you make of the Urban Meyer situation? We've been talking quite a bit about the, that today. Uh, as, as he laughs, uh, wow! That's you know, are, are we surprised? Are we surprised? You know, uh, about this guy, and nothing seems to surprise me. You know, we hear these stories like uh, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and those are sad stories, but they're also ridiculous stories too. Because how many times, over and over, can you have these self-inflicted wounds? And with Urban Meyer, it's kind of like that, too, because he had problems at Florida, had problems at Ohio State. He wants to retire, and then he wants to come back and coach. He wants to retire again, and then, oh, I'd like to get to the NFL. And he finds a sucker, you know, out there that's going to, you know, give him a big old paycheck. And then he, he can't deliver, so he wants to, you know, berate players and berate his own coaches that he hired. I mean, it's just... It's a it's a sickening story, and I think for a lot of people, they just like to see this guy go away. And you know what? I think they might get his wish because I don't see this guy resurfacing again in the in the NFL or probably in college. No, I would agree with you. Really quickly, I don't know if you know this. Do you know how old Urban Meyer is? Urban Meyer, I want to say fifty nine, maybe. I don't know, fifty eight, fifty nine. Oh, yeah, no, I heard today he's fifty seven. Fifty seven to me. Okay. Which to me, I was I was a little bit shocked. I, he's younger than I thought he was. Um, personally, I, he's younger than I thought he was. But with all that being said, he looks older. Uh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like one, the media, the national media in general, has Urban Meyer fatigue, and 
there's I don't believe you can find a positive story about Urban Meyer anywhere over the last forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's been a long time since it's anyone has said anything positive about him. So him getting fired is not a shock at all because he's done. He ain't, you, you don't, I don't like to call people stupid and things that call people stupid, but he's done a lot of stupid things over the past, this past season as, as someone who's supposed to be a leader of a national football league team. You know what I mean? Like he's done some things like he, that a, a 20 or 30 year old seems like they wouldn't do. If you, if you're a coach, like you just know better. Like what are you, what are you doing? So him getting fired is not a shock. Something I heard today as well is the fact that you know that the Jacksonville Jaguar ownership group or, or uh, general manager, whoever deals with his contract, are going to try to find a way to not pay him and see if they can do it with cause. Right. And it seems as if good old Urban has probably given them enough reason to be able to fire him with cause. <laughs> You know, we see this with coaches where they just have this higher than almighty attitude, and especially a guy yeah. coming from the college ranks. And again, you, you can treat college players this way. And, you know, when we talked to Trevor Match last hour, he, he nailed it. He says, you know, when you're in college, the players call you coach. When you go to the NFL, they call you by your first name because it's a business relationship. And you know there are people, as bad as the Jaguars are, there's still veterans on this team, and if he's doing stuff that they're not used to and they're still going to view him, even though he had a success at the college level, they're probably not going to respect him because you're, you know, it's a college coach who's coming into a professional player's work environment. And I'm sure that there are longtime assistant NFL coaches that feel the exact same way. It's like, well, who's this guy to come in here and, and take one of our jobs and, and get the money that he's getting? You know, there's that animosity, you know, towards him. And of then it, and it just, and it just adds insult to injury when a guy comes in with the attitude like, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. And a lot of guys say, well, you know what? The college way is not the way it gets done in the NFL. And, you know, yeah. there's a long laundry list of college coaches who not only couldn't get the job done in the NFL, but just were horrible at it. And it starts with Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, even before him, yeah. Lou, Lou Holtz, yeah. Dennis Erickson, yeah. Butch Davis, Bobby Petrino. He was at Atlanta for what, like five minutes when, you know, with, with the Falcons. <laughs> Mike Riley, yeah, Mike Riley left Oregon State to go to, to the Chargers and then he came back. So, I mean, there's. I covered Mike Riley. Yeah, yeah. You know, but so, yeah. but there's just something about a college coach, you know, getting the reins in the NFL. It, that there, there's this, this lack of respect for the most part, not only from players, but I think from people within the organization, especially assistant coaches. Yes. You know what? I'll throw a name at you, and to me it seems like a, a parallel. And I think the respect is that they don't respect him because he shows little respect to them. And I don't know that as a fact, but, I mean, first thing you do is you come in and you, you uh, give Tim Tebow a roster spot in a position he's never played and he hasn't played in forever. That just – that basically spit in the face of everybody there and the, the players that are trying to make the team. But the person I was going to draw a parallel to as far as a coach is concerned and him coming in with the ego that is huge and it didn't go well, Chip Kelly. Yes. And I, I know that Chip Kelly, he has a huge ego. For, again, another guy that I dealt with whom in my experience was the worst coach that I've dealt with in any sport. 
Um, wow, that's but, saying a lot. That is saying a lot. But you're right. You know, with Urban Meyer and Chip Kelly, two of the same type of guys. When it comes personality yeah. wise, guys cashed big paychecks at both levels, and that yeah. sense of entitlement. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My way is the right way. I know what I'm doing. I don't care how you guys did it before. I'm going to do it my way because my way works in college. Mm-hmm. It don't work in a pros like that. And you can't treat professionals like you do college guys. And that's, I'm sure that's exactly what he has been doing. Yeah. All right. They're, they're saying good riddance. No. No one's upset that he's gone. You're, you're right. All right. Uh, and since you are off today, you know, B-Sal, we uh, talked about n- more news that came out, you know, during the show here today. And, and very sad for basketball fans, but it looks like the CBS oh. Sports Classic is going to be canceled yeah. because Ohio State's not traveling because they got hit with COVID. So they've already canceled the game against Kentucky for Saturday afternoon at T-Mobile Arena. And as we know, UCLA, they uh, postponed yeah. their game last night, just got off the phone with Tracy Murray. And so they're not sure if UCLA is playing North Carolina coming Saturday. Yeah. No, that's that's sad. That's sad. Um, I wasn't going anyway. Unfortunately, I'm a basketball head, but uh, we have the Super Nights. The Super Nights are back in town, so you can watch that on on MyOV TV. Here comes the shameless or plug. It's on there the it is. CW. Yeah, yeah okay. it's on the CW, man. It's on the CW, but they're back in town. I mean, that's a great ticket because it's cheap, and you get to watch players that have played with the Golden Knights this season and have done well. They're going to be playing for the Super Knights, so it's a, it's a, to me, it's a lot of fun to go to those games, but... Um, yeah, that's that's terrible for Vegas in the fact that they're not going to have that big event this weekend. But yeah. we got the Super Bowl, I think you might have heard. Yeah, we do. 2024, February 11th, and it'll, <laughs> it'll be great. Hopefully we're all done with the COVID stuff. And, and again, the the one game has been canceled for the CBS Sports Classic, so we're not, we're not going to say the whole event is, is off as of yet, but we'll keep an eye on that. B-Sal, enjoy yeah. the rest of your uh, next couple days off, my friend. All right? Enjoy. Man, I, I appreciate that. I will. And I will not have a suit on. I'll be sitting getting chubby on the couch. <laughs> be getting chubby, but he'll still be looking casual fly. That's what I'm talking casual about. Casual fly. <laughs> I All love right. it. All right. Take care, brother. Appreciate you joining us, man. We'll talk to you next week. Man, always, TC, man. I appreciate you, man. You be good. You and I'm talking. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you. Brian Salmon, the sports director over at News 3. I want to thank Trevor Maddich for joining us, uh, going uh, deep diving with Urban Meyer in that situation in Jacksonville. Again, Urban Meyer fired earlier, uh, late last night, early this morning, 2-11. and 11. See where the Jaguars go from there. Also, Tracy Murray talking about Steph Curry, everything else NBA-wise, and uh, UCLA also with some COVID issues. And uh, Brian Salmons for joining us. All right, tomorrow, Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, our Friday extravaganza, of course. Showtime, Sean Porter in the house, former two-time welterweight champ of the world. He will be joining us. His first appearance out and about since he retired after his fight against Terrence Crawford a couple weeks ago. Look forward to seeing him tomorrow and you as well, too. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcbartshow.com. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.